Welcome to the Future Smart Parent Podcast, a place where my mom explores how to help us kids develop a new set of skills we need to face the future with confidence. I'm Jude Filston, an introverted mom trying my best to raise kids who are happy and confident, kids who embrace all that makes them unique while preparing them for an exciting future that really looks nothing like the world we grew up in. I believe there's a whole set of skills that our kids aren't being taught. These skills will be critical for them to develop in order to thrive in the future. It's up to us as parents to help them develop these skills. The Future Smart Parent podcast provides resources for parents and kids who want to be ready for all the ways in which the future is going to be different from today. We will explore this future together, bringing insights from top futurists, resources from smart people working on making our lives better, and most importantly, stories of parents who are parenting a little differently, yet very much intentionally for a changing world. So join me as we explore how we can be future smart parents raising future smart kids. Welcome to the second episode of the Future Smart Parent podcast. In this episode, I get to talk to Graham Codrington, who is a futurist, a a global speaker and a expert on the future of work. He's also the co-author of the book Future Proof Your Child for the 2020s and Beyond and is a colleague of mine at Tomorrow Today Global as well as a parenting mentor for us. It was many years ago that I realized that sticking with Graham for some parenting tips was going to really be to our advantage. I remember Graham telling us a story one afternoon about how he had given his one daughter pocket money for her to use to outsource some of her, I think it was maths homework. And at first, when I heard this, I was absolutely horrified that a parent would consider doing this and allow their child to outsource their homework. And then on the other extreme, I couldn't believe the absolute genius of this in teaching his kids these skills that are so necessary in the 2020s. And it was then that I realized that I had so much to learn from Graham and his family and just how us as parents need to reframe so much of the way we think things need to be done. I think so many of us are scared to do things differently and so don't try these new things. And so having someone in our lives that have shown us that doing things differently can work and it's okay to try these things um, has just been fantastic for us. I do hope that you can take a golden nugget out of the next 20 minutes to include in your parenting journey. Welcome to the Future Smart Parent Podcast, Graham. It's awesome to have you here. I've already told our audience a little bit about you, but please, why don't you just introduce yourself a little and tell us how you think parenting is different now as we prepare our kids for an ever-changing world. Oh, thanks, Jude. It's great to, to be with you, and I'm really excited about this podcast and the plans that you've got for it. So thank you for inviting to me to be your first guest. Um, I suppose as, as far as parenting goes in a formal introduction, uh, the simplest version is that I wrote a book called Future Proof 
your kids. And I collaborated with uh, Nikki Bush, who is a, a parenting expert. And my contribution was to think about what the future of work would be like in that, uh, in writing that book. And what are the skill sets? What are the um, mindsets that our kids are going to need that we need to try and, and put into them uh, right now? For me personally, I have three children uh, who are in still in their studies, two at varsity and one still school-aged, and kind of I thought that this would be what I would be thinking about as the end of the parenting journey as I'm discovering it's possibly only just the middle or even just the end of the beginning. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's that's me and my parenting and how I connect into this space. Now, I mean, we work together um, and – I know that your kind of title is futurist and a big thing that, that you speak about is obviously the eight skills for the future or let's not put a number to it. It's, it's the skills for the future. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? So a number of years ago, our team sort of asked two questions simultaneously. And we, we're a team of, yeah, futurists is the, the one label we use, which means we just think about how the world is changing. We don't predict anything. Uh, researcher uh, is scenario planner would, would be other words. And what we, uh, we had two different questions that we were wanting to ask. The one question was, what will happen when the robots come? And uh, we're not we're not going to have robots, these humanoid things walking around most of our offices. Some factories have robotic automation. What we really mean is algorithms, computer software, artificial intelligence, machine learning, data analytics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But let's call them <laughs> the robots. You know what happens when 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 computers come to take some of our work? That was one question. What work is going to be left? What work are the humans going to need to do? What will workplaces look like? The second question, which we thought was a different question at the time, was what are the skills required for the future of work? What And we specifically were thinking, what are future thinking companies looking for in the people they hire? What are their HR departments doing? So we, 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 we started two different streams of research. And when the bits of research were completed and we got together, we realized that the two different research teams had come up with exactly the same answers. The answers to those two different questions are the same thing. The future of work is changing it. The changes are coming because of digitization and, and, and software and, and fourth industrial revolution and future thinking organizations are already anticipating that and they're getting different types of people in. So we discovered lots of companies like Microsoft and, uh, and, and Deloitte and McKinsey and Goldman Sachs and Boeing and Nestle are no longer looking at university degrees for a lot of the people. So previously they would have graduate recruitment programs. They're realizing now that the universities are not producing the types of courses, the types of graduates that are needed in certain aspects. That's not everywhere. It's not as if Boeing are employing engineers who don't have any training, uh, you know, or Nestle's finance department is not employing, you know, properly trained chartered accountants. I'm not saying it's across the board, but in many, many places where they used to have graduate as the entry level, no longer because the education system is not producing the types of skills and skilled people that they need. So that, that's kind of the background to this research that we did. And we realized 
that there was a set of skills that was going to be needed, a set of skills needed to compete with the machines. And that's not the right way to describe it because you can't compete with the machine. So you've got to look for what the machines can't do. And then on the other side, there's a whole lot of companies that are already pointing the way to say exactly what we were saying. There are a whole lot of skills you need in the workplace, which are not the skills of thinking clearly, thinking fast, thinking carefully, because the computers do all the thinking these days. What what do we then do as humans? And so, again, that's a little bit of background to what we were thinking, but that's, I know, the world that you're passionate about and, and passionate about getting your children into. It's kind of most of the stuff that school typically teaches and most of the stuff you've got to do in order to get a matric certificate or a school leaving certificate so that you can go to university to learn all the stuff universities have been teaching for many years. Most of that stuff you can find on Google. Um, If you do a search, most of that stuff is available online within a few seconds of searching. And most of that stuff is what computers will do in the future. And what we've got to do as parents is prepare our children to be successful and to be, to have the skill set needed when the computers are doing most of the stuff that we are doing now. So, I mean, I completely agree. Um, and I think we're kind of stuck in the middle between the old skills and the new skills. And we're aware that there's this new set of skills that we all need to develop, but that's where a lot of us get stuck. Uh, speak to me just about what those new skills are. So, uh, very simply, let, let, let maybe an example is, is useful here. So, let's say your child is, is thinking of going into finance. That's the world I started in uh, with a BCom and then went and did articles at KPMG and so on. So, the skill set typically associated with an accountant or a person in finance is doing a lot of bookkeeping, Excel spreadsheets, and so on. I know that's a simplification. There's a lot more to it than that. But all of that stuff, computers can do better than we can do. Um, so, in the future, you know, you'll everything will be automated. You, you, you need to uh, buy something for your company. An invoice will, will come in. It'll be electronically sent to you. It'll go into the system. The system will do the check as to whether you should spend the money. The system will pay uh, your supplier. You, the goods will come. The system will automatically schedule the books. And so there's no human beings needed to do the bookkeeping functions. So what is the role of the uh, chief financial officer, the CFO of the future? I, I think it's, I think you still have a, a CFO of the future, but what's the CFO doing? Well, she's doing strategy. She's doing um, creative thinking about the future of the organization. She's setting policies and procedures. She doesn't maybe even have to have accounting. She doesn't have to have done an accounting major at varsity. I, I wonder if I'd prefer a CFO who has um, a philosophy or sociology or psychology degree because the main role is about making sure that everybody else in the business understands the finances, not just managing the money and doing bank recons and, and, and uh, credit checks. Um, and, and so the, the skill sets have got to do with the things that humans can do and machines can't. 
part, which has got to do with emotions, relationships, um, diversity and cultural intelligence, intuition, um, creativity, problem-solving, complex adaptive thinking. And so the question is, where are those being taught in your home and, and in school and university curricula? Sure. So, I mean, you know that I'm, I'm passionate about all of those, but, and I, I know them, but for me, when I'm making my kids sandwiches in the morning, like there's not even creativity with making peanut butter sandwiches. And so as a parent, I just know how overwhelming it can be to go, oh my goodness, we now have to add another layer, um, on top of our parenting and it's, I mean, you know, you've got three daughters, it can get overwhelming. And, and I suppose the whole idea about this podcast and future smart parent is just to help parents to take the overwhelm away from this and just to give some advice and some, some tips um, on how to do it. So, I mean, creativity is a big thing. Creativity is not just about giving your kids uh, a paintbrush or a pencil and um, telling them to go and draw a picture every day. Um, but can you, can you give some examples of how you do things in your home? I think for me, it's often just good to see how other people are, are doing it just to get new ideas. I mean, it's a new way of thinking, isn't it? Um, do you have, yeah. Do you have any stories that you can share that, that happens in your house to develop creativity or any of the skills we're talking about? Absolutely. So, Jude, this is why I'm so excited about this podcast, and uh, I'm your first guest, and I hope I'll be your first subscriber as well, the first of many, because uh, <laughs> you are going to help to translate the kind of insights that people like me have into just useful stuff. My problem is I'm too much in my head. This is what I do for a living. I'm a researcher. I write books that are like 600 pages long, and I answer you know, short, sharp questions with long rambling answers. Um, and so you are going to be able to be the human in the machine to, to take all of this research that we have access to as a team, um, and make it accessible. And that, I mean, that's what I love about your, your approach. And that's what I love about your role in, in the team. And so, yeah. Uh, I, I hope people who listen to this episode immediately sign up and and get um, notifications whenever a new episode comes out because you're going to take it and make it bite size. So let let's take the hundred things I could say at this point, and I've already been rambling. I you I can hear you smiling even though we're not in the same room. Um, and 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 I hope that what people get out of each episode of the podcast is those two or three little practical nuggets. What can you do? So for me as a parent, what I I try to distill it down for my three daughters down to three or four principles because I I couldn't keep more than that in my head. These are big thoughts, big, maybe even the word values is helpful here, although maybe that's too big a word. But for me, let me give you one example in this, and maybe you'll have me back on the, on, on the show in the future to pick up some other examples. For me, I always believe that a value in life, something that will, that will help you succeed in life, wherever you are, is to create options for yourself. 
That's my view. So which subjects sh- should I choose in, in, in grade 10 at school to, to then focus in on? What, what experiences should I have? What should I do with my university holidays, Dad? You know, should I try this or should I do that? In my mind, it boils down one of the questions I've always asked is, does it create more options for you or less? And that becomes a big thought in my head, which then gets translated into a few small things. So simple. I'll give you three simple examples. I know you, I know you wanting me to, to, to get to those practical things. So the one was, are you opening, creating opportunities and experiences for yourself? Because that will create options to discover whether you like something or not. So in our house, you were never allowed to say, I, I don't like that if you hadn't actually tried it. And so that comes down to food, right? You can never put something on a plate and look at it and say, I don't like that. What you can say is, I don't like how that looks because that's the only thing you've had experience with so far. But you can't say, I don't like it because you haven't smelt it yet. You haven't touched it if you're allowed to touch your food. Um, You haven't tasted it yet. So we had a rule. You're not allowed to say you don't like it until you've tried it. And what does trying mean? Well, it means using all your senses to engage with it and then tell me step by step. So what does it look like? Okay, I agree with you. It looks horrible. What does it smell like? Yeah, I agree with you. It's not a great smell, but how about you taste it? And then you taste it and you say, geez, this durian is amazing. Looks horrible. Smells disgusting. Smells like an old piece of shoe but it tastes spectacular thank you dad um, for experimenting with durian however this other thing over here pickled deep fried squid head looks i don't know otherworldly and and i mean that in a bad way uh it smells bad and it tastes disgusting um okay let's never do that again but you can't say you don't like it until you've tried it and that goes with trying sports at school. My oldest daughter was, takes off to me, wasn't exceptionally sporting, but she knows she's not exceptionally sporting because she's pretty much tried every sport, including synchronized swimming. She had to try it. You can't say you don't like it if you don't try it. Now, that might sound like a very small piece of advice, and I'm not saying now that every parent should suddenly rush out and make their kids try everything by the weekend um, and overwhelm their children with experiences. I'm talking about, for my oldest daughter, 22 years of consistently just saying that phrase over and over again. In various things. You can't say you don't like that because you haven't tried it, Amy. Um, and now that's part of her life experience. I don't know if she uses that phrase, but she will try a subject at university because it looks interesting. And she doesn't know if she likes it or not. She'll try a different style of clothing. She'll, she'll, she'll try and put a CV together and send it off to see if she could maybe get a holiday job somewhere. Why does she do all of that stuff and why is she confident and comfortable to do it? Because she grew up in a house where you said, until you've tried it once, you don't know whether you like it. And that maybe in adulthood translates to, unless you try it, you don't know if it'll work or not. And so she's open to trying stuff. And I'm very happy that that's part of her life. I love how you are just able to kind of reframe, you know, I can also go into my head a lot of the times and 
when I when someone says, well, your kids have got to experiment more, I immediately go to the test tubes and, you know, and just that way that you explain it just helps me and I think I hope other parents reframe that there's so many different ways that we can develop these skills in our normal day-to-day day life. Um, so, no, thank you. That that definitely that definitely gives us some insights. Well, I, I hope what people get out of this, because I know this is your sort of first full episode of the podcast, is that they get excited for every new episode, because I know what you're planning to do, and, and, and I'm definitely here to support it and be involved, is to work out what are the big things. So what are those values? What are those principles? What are the skill sets? What are the mindsets we need for the future? We could give you a list right now, but it would overwhelm you. Um, and, and, and there's a long list. So we'll, we'll, we'll unpack the list. You'll unpack the list. You'll get people in who can talk about different aspects of the list. What does creativity really mean? What does technology skills actually look like? What is complex adaptive thinking? And what does that mean for a six year old? Et cetera, et cetera. So we'll unpack that bit by bit. And then we'll give examples of how do you make that real by talking to people who have tried to make it or are in the process of trying to make it real. You know, so creativity can mean a thousand different things. You can't do a thousand different things with your kids, but you can do three. And 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 we, we're going to show you a thousand and you're going to pick three and you're going to do those and then see if they work or not. And I think we're also going to make a space for us to chat about it as well. So that Jude, you and I can learn uh, with the stages and ages our kids are at, we can learn from other people's experiences and, and we can all share this stuff together. The only thing I think we're going to discover is that none of us should be doing exactly what somebody else is doing. There is no such thing as normal in this parenting journey. And that's the biggest fear that we have is I'm doing it wrong. I'm messing my kids up. I'm not normal and my kids are not normal. And I hope that what people are going to hear is there is no such thing as normal. Just relax, calm yourself down and do what you can in the time you've got with the resources you've got with the kids you've got. And we're going to give you stuff to do that. Totally. That is such a big thing. Just relax. And the fact that you're here, that you've listened to 20 minutes of this podcast means that you're, you're here and you're doing what you can for your kids. So just breathe and relax and, and you're doing a good job. So Graham, thank you. Thank you for the parent you are. And thank you for joining us on the first episode of the Future Smart Parent podcast. Thank you.